This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question. So will 2021 be better? We're asking today's big question to two people. First, to Andrew Laird. Andrew works for City Bible Forum in Melbourne and is the national manager for the Life at Work Conference, an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's a popular speaker and author, and he joins me now. Andrew, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you, Rob. We're also asking today's big question to Sharon Chung. Sharon also works with City Bible Forum, where she helps young workers navigate the early years of their work life and connects with women in the workplace. She's also a popular speaker, and she joins me now. Sharon, welcome to Bigger Questions. Hi, Rob. It's great to be here. So, Andrew and Sharon, today's big question looks to 2021. Will it be better? Because 2020, wow, it's nearly finished, but what a year. It's hard to believe what happened. Some have suggested that if 2020 was a hula hoop, that it would be made of barbed wire. So now that we're near the end of the year, how does it feel, Sharon? Well, I'm not sure if the hula hoop's made of barbed wire on my end, but it's definitely fallen to the ground very, very quickly. Uh, It's just been a very, very chaotic year, Um, lots of uncertainty, um, and I'm glad that Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. Are you feeling similarly, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. I'm feeling probably relieved is is one word that the year is drawing to an end and uh, things seem to be on the up, but you never know uh, with with the coronavirus and all that's happened this year. And uh, and likewise, very much looking forward to Christmas. Well, they do say it's 2020, so oh, anything could happen perhaps. So we haven't quite finished the year yet, so we're not quite sure what's going to happen. But We do like to kick off bigger questions with a couple of smaller questions just to get us thinking. Today we're asking Andrew Laird and Sharon Chung today's big question, if 2021 will be better than this year. So our smaller questions to you are about 2020. Okay, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one, according to Global Language Monitor, a data research company that tracks trends in language usage worldwide, what is the top word for 2020? Is it A, COVID, B, unprecedented, C, social distancing, or D, Zoom? Kick off with you, Andrew. Which one do you think is the, the top word of 2020? Would this be words that have been used the most? Well, probably COVID then, but, um, but Zoom has featured a lot in my life, perhaps more, perhaps more than I would <laughs> okay. have liked. But I'll go with Okay, sure. COVID. So you're going, you're going to go with COVID. Okay, what about you, Sharon? Yeah, I'm going with COVID. It's a good one to go with because it's the right answer. It is A, is COVID is the answer. Social distancing was actually number eight and Zoom was number 15. Now, you don't have a favourite word for 2020, maybe a word which you've not previously used much? Oh, pivot's got to be a word for 2020, doesn't it? Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's true. Unfortunately, pivot didn't make the list, uh, which was yeah. which was interesting. I, I've tended to use the word transmogrify instead because I was I was sick of using the word pivot. But uh, anyway, you're doing well so far. So, question two of our smaller questions: In an article entitled "The Best and Worst of 2020: The Year in Review," one commentator wrote, "It's been an emotionally exhausting year, so much so that I'm already done with it, and it's only the end of." Now, which month was the author John Zmimrak? referring to was it a june b may c march or d january sharon what do you reckon i'm gonna say march you're gonna say march what about you andrew i'm gonna go you know for perhaps a left field answer but i'm gonna say he said it in january and then look what happened (laughs) don't get cocky andrew but 
your left field answer is actually right. Yes, it was. It was actually January. That's right. Uh, He highlighted the bushfires and the outbreak of coronavirus in China and claimed everybody has gone through 12 months worth of emotional highs and lows since New Year's Day. Little did he know what would unfold. I'd I'd like to hear what uh, he has to say now for the year. (laughs) That's right. It would be intriguing. Yes. Yeah. Well, Andrew and Sharon, you both know what happened in 2020 for you both past you got one or two of our smaller questions right. And if we had a live audience here today, there would be an enormous applause, I'm sure. So this author, John Zimrak, claimed that 2020 was already emotionally exhausting way back in January. So did you find the rest of 2020 exhausting, Sharon? Uh, yeah, I did. Perhaps not. I didn't feel it in January, and that's probably, probably reflective of the fact that um, COVID hadn't really affected much of life here in Melbourne in January. Uh, but basically from March onwards, March seemed um, to last forever um, just with the mm. uncertain changes uh, of lockdown that were introduced. So, yeah, this year has felt extremely long. Yeah, Andrew? I think... Felt exhausted? Uh, exhausted at, at times. I think the year sort of went up and down. I sort of had peaks and troughs. I had a very busy first part of the year with January and February with work, which left me exhausted and uh, that was involving travel and then COVID coming in and coinciding with that. That was a very exhausting period. But then the first lockdown that uh, experienced here in Melbourne, I didn't actually feel exhaustion with that at all. I felt invigorated by it and um, I, <laughs> I found my productivity going through the roof. But but then the second lockdown, I really felt some fatigue and exhaustion with that and motivation m- perhaps at an all-time low for the year. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster almost in some ways this year around that idea of exhaustion. Yeah, and I suppose it's reflective of 2020. It's been such an up-and-down year. There's so many things going on. And, in fact, if you look back over the year, it's, it's kind of hard to believe what happened. I mean, as you mentioned before, you were travelling. We've had bushfires, there's pandemics, lockdowns, there's been toilet paper fights, Zoom meetings, US elections and impeachments, Black Lives Matter protests global economic recessions, and we even learned that we had a chief medical officer, and Baby Shark has become the number one video on YouTube. So it seems that's almost too much to happen in one year. Now, whilst it didn't make the list of top trending words, so how unprecedented do you think the events of 2020 have been, Andrew? I was just going to say, Baby Shark being the most viewed now on YouTube has got to be, you know, really the icing on the cake for 2020, doesn't it? <laughs> if it couldn't get any worse. But um, to have all of those in one year is quite a lineup, you know, and, and very few <laughs> of us would have picked what kind of year we were going to have. But when you think about, you know, the history of the world and uh, rather than just one year, uh, the kind of things we've experienced this year are not uncommon throughout uh, human history. Uh, in fact, pandemics probably far more common previous centuries. It's just that something where we're not very familiar with at all. We've never really known anything like mm. this. So perhaps unprecedented in the sense that there's a there's a lot that's uh, that's come our way that we're not used to all at once. But from a I guess a historical perspective, not necessarily unprecedented. Sharon. Mm. Yeah, I definitely echo. Do you agree? I definitely echo what Andrew said about um, perhaps zooming out on, you know, the historical perspective. Um, I think it feels unprecedented, but factually, it it may not be um, just because of our limited lifespan. Uh, but if you look through history books, I'm sure things that we're experiencing now um, are not 
too far off from what previous generations mm. have had to live through. And in fact, I think perhaps it's the global scale of, um, of the pandemic that has really heightened our awareness to everything negative that's been going on. So it's not necessarily that there's been more things that have happened this year um, that make it a horrible year. It's just that we're so sensitive to it. That's an interesting point that Sharon makes about the global thing. I think that's probably something that struck me in in sort of March and April, where I'd be getting uh, emails or or messages from friends uh, all around the world, and they were all describing the exact same situation mm. that I was living through here in yeah. Australia, in Melbourne, and and that was perhaps unprecedented in in the sense of wow, everyone in, wherever they are in the world is experiencing something of this. So what do you think has been the most challenging thing of 2020? Well, this one's a hard one because um, I think there are a number of, I suppose, global challenges. But personally, I found it really challenging um, to adhere to authority, I suppose, and direction, particularly with uh, social distancing and restrictions when I know, I suppose, deep down in my soul that this is not how life is supposed to be. Like we are supposed to do life with other people and be in community and that perhaps for me has been the most jarring thing. Um, you know, working from home just feels very, very different and perhaps counterproductive in, in some industries as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think the human element of it has been the most challenging for me personally. Mm. I'd agree 100% with Sharon. And I think as, as uh, in Melbourne at least, as the lockdowns dragged on, um, you felt that more and more, the need for human interaction beyond just on a screen as, uh, as most of what was happening at the time. So certainly that. I guess if I can add another, uh, another thing, and that's um, the word disappointment. I think that's probably been one of the bigger challenges per- just personally as well for me this year. But as things were cancelled that, you know, you were looking forward to or the expectations that you had for the year, and you just would see them, you know, one after the other going out the window and then thinking, oh, well, maybe in the second half of the year that, you know, we'll be able to do it. And then again, not being able to do them again. And so disappointment and handling disappointment, I think, has been a challenge for me this year. So, Andrew, what do you think then we've learned from the 2020 experience? Probably lots of things. But the first thing that springs to mind is how little we're in control of things. You know, we in a in a wealthy country like Australia, where generally things go pretty well, and we have access to all sorts of wonderful services. And uh, if something does happen to go remotely wrong, there's uh, usually someone we can call to fix it or go to see to fix it. And we can make our plans, and um, sometimes they might have to get shuffled a little bit. But generally, it feels like you know we're more or less in control of um, our lives and our circumstances. And uh, 2020 has really, it's thrown that kind of view completely out of the window because um, as we've just talked about, the uncertainty of everything and just having to cancel everything has just really rammed home how little control you have of uh, of your life and your circumstances. Mm. Yeah. Do you echo that, Sharon? Or do you have uh, other things you think we've learned as a culture? I Yeah, definitely agree. Um, But I would also add to that uh, just learning perhaps the joys of resetting how we do life. So I think this year has almost forced us all to recognise what really is important um, and what we 
I think when something's taken away that's important to us, we start to miss it. And so this year we've all had to come face to face with what it is that we really value in life, whether that be, you know, having fewer friendships and relationships, but going deeper with them. Um, or whether that's actually, you know, I really enjoy eating out and not having to cook. Like, you know, it can be big things and little things. Um, and I think that's definitely something that we have all had to do, some self-reflecting. Um, mm. And just to learn that, you know, perhaps there is more to life than how I've been living it um, for however many years. So what do you think that our response as a society and as a culture uh, to the events of 2020 has revealed about our culture? Sharon, what do you think? I think it's revealed that we kind of go with the flow until we can't. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the solution is to just tolerate it, do the best you can and hope, you know, for a better year next year. Uh, that mm. seems to be uh, just a collective response in, you know, let's congratulate ourselves at the end of this year for getting through it. Um, and let's just hope, you know, uh, let's just hope that next year will be better. Mm. Well, as you just mentioned, 2020 has been crazy and difficult and there is a shop sign in Melbourne CBD which described 2020 as a wrecking ball. Put up the tree and call it a year. So basically, put 2020 behind us and get ready for 2021. So that's the sentiment you're suggesting there, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely something I've seen a lot of is um, people putting up Christmas decorations early. And I think part of that is, well, probably twofold. We just want a bit of joy and happiness in our life and associate Christmas with that. But also the, the, the putting up of the Christmas decorations is symbolic in some ways of saying the year has almost ended. I've put up my decorations early, earlier than I used to because yeah. I'm, re I'm, I'm writing the year off. It's over. Let's get on with Christmas and into 2021. That's the feeling with some of the people in your network, Sharon? Absolutely. Uh, I had friends who um, as soon as Halloween was done, uh, it was just Christmas all the way. Um, they wanted to bring December forward and just forget that this year even happened. Mm. So let's dig down into that a bit more. So forget 2020 happened. It did happen and it's obviously painful and difficult. But why do you think that people in our culture just want to forget about it? Why do we want to ignore the, the pain and the, the challenge of this year? Andrew? I think for many of us, our culture doesn't necessarily have a, a, a good way of handling uncertainty and and challenge and difficulty and this is not to minimize that many people go through all sorts of difficult things all of the time um, the death of loved ones um, job loss redundancy that sort of thing and yet I think as a culture we we shy away from um, suffering and challenge and difficulty because we don't really know what to do with it you know in uh, in in ancient cultures um, there was much more of a, I, I guess death was so more prevalent that they had to have a way of um, reflecting on it and, and thinking about it. And certainly in ancient cultures, suffering was, was seen for the way that it could actually um, strengthen you as a, as a person and you could grow and develop because of it. And as a Christian person myself, um, that's a very, very strong notion in, in the Christian faith as well too, that, that, that suffering very often uh, is is for our good in uh, refining us and uh, and shaping us and uh, and strengthening us. But that's a concept that I think is is by and large fairly absent in our culture, and so we sort of don't necessarily know what to do with it when it comes along. Mm. What do you make of that, Sharon? Is that something that is, is your faith helped you and strengthened you throughout this uh, the challenge of twenty twenty? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I think having something external to yourself that uh, can, if I could describe it as helping you carry uh, the suffering or, or give some um, meaning to it, I think definitely helps in the day to day because then you're not just left with the option of having to take it in your stride and just going from day to day, which I think is what has happened um, a lot this year related to my earlier comments about people just going with the flow and hoping mm. for a better new year next year. Um, and I think because we're surrounded by so many um, distractions, I suppose, whether that's entertainment, whether that's busying ourselves with the news and all that's happening, it almost creates a false sense of not needing to deal with, you know, the disappointments of this year. Um, if I can just, yeah, forget about it and ignore it and, ho and hope for the best, um, perhaps that's an option that people find easiest to take when there are so many mm. things going on. Because implicit in that perhaps is the idea that 2021 is just going to be better. It has to be better than this year, even though there's no guarantee of that. I think there is a sense that, you know, things are always on the up. And this mm. year's re really challenged us there, but we're quick to m want to move on from it because um, the notion that 2021 could be worse <laughs> is something that we don't want to we don't want to consider. But also, I think as a culture, we generally do think things are uh, only ever going to get better. Yes, yes, and that was what Bill Gates said. That something that, similar to that very recently, he was very optimistic that 2021 is likely to be better because overall the basic framework is that life is getting better. Yet David Beasley, the 2020 recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, fears that 2021 might even be worse, uh, as he says, due to COVID-19, conflict, collapsing economies, and drought. He says we could be facing famines of biblical proportions in 2021. So should we believe the optimist or the pessimist here? What do you think, Andrew? I'm probably more likely to go with the pessimist, I think. Maybe that's just my personality. But I also think I also think there's a naivety as well to thinking that things are just automatically going to get better. Um, and again, this stems from my my Christian faith as well, too. That there is a there's an inherent uh, brokenness um, or or a word that the Bible frequently uses, sin, that means that the world is tainted uh, in ways that really aren't going to be repaired and put right um, until, until... Even if there's a vaccine. Even, even if there is a vaccine, there'll be something else that comes along. Uh, there's always going to be something um, because of my understanding of the world, of being, being, uh, having, a, I guess, an inherent brokenness and uh, uh, because of uh, human, human sinfulness. But I do think that there is right to have a not, not, not a, not a, not a, such a pessimism that you just fall into a, a chronic depression almost. That you, you know, you just feel that you know everything is always going to go wrong. But I think there's a there's a healthy pessimism that we should that we should hold on to. Hmm. Well, the Christian message does offer some insights uh, to help answer today's big question. And as you've just mentioned, both of you. And indeed, many have felt that the Old Testament book of Psalms resonates with them throughout 2020. And the Psalms are like the songbook of the Bible. And Psalm 46, 1 to 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So Sharon, how do you think this connects with what we've experienced in 2020? I suppose living in Melbourne, we haven't had um, 
natural disasters, quite like what it's being described here in Psalm, but um, definitely the the emotional, I think, uh, toil that we've all gone through this year might, you know, go to some of these depths. Um, I think reading that the creator of the universe, God, uh, is a source of help is a very comforting thing uh, when it seems mm. that human effort isn't really getting us where we where we want to be uh, by the end of this year. So having something that's bigger than us and sees our struggles and yet offers a hand to help us is a very, very comforting thought. Mm. You found that comforting, have you, Sharon? Yeah, yeah, I have. And it's not so much that, you know, oh, because I believe in God, um, everything's going to be okay in the end and 2021 is going to be awesome. It's knowing that uh, the the God of the universe sees what we're going through and has offered us um, refuge, whether that's spiritually, mentally um, or physically, a refuge um, to help us get through these times, not necessarily Mm. to solve everything as we want it to be solved, but um, yeah, as a, as a place to, or as a person to go to and pray to when we're feeling all our emotions. Mm. So how about you, Andrew? It does talk about God being a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Has that been the case for you this year? So what the Christian faith offers and what this psalm offers as well is that there is someone uh, external to us who provides the strength and the refuge and the and the shelter that we need. You know, the psalm doesn't say, I am my own refuge and my own strength. I'm the one who helps me uh, in, in trouble. It, no, it, it acknowledges, um, no, there's limitations to to me because I'm, I'm, I'm humid and I'm, mm. I'm finite. I need someone bigger than me to, to lean on uh, and get help from uh, in times of trouble. And, and the mm. psalmist says, that's God. And that connects with what you've just shared earlier about the, one of the things that we've learned in 2020 is that, well, we aren't in control, that we can't actually control things ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And related to that, I mean, it talks about not fearing as well, that psalm. And fear was definitely one of the, um, I think, emotions that many people felt uh, in the early stages of 2020. That seems to have faded away and other things have, I guess, come into place, mm. still, a, still a degree of uncertainty. But isn't that a bit naive considering you know, the global dangers and concerns we have and the Nobel Peace Prize winner says that we could be facing famines of biblical proportions. So isn't just a bit naive to not fear because God's there? Well, this is why I was saying before we have to have a, a healthy pessimism rather than a you know, pessimism that spills over entirely into you know just not being able to function and do anything at all because we're so overwhelmed by the prospect of how bad things can be. We need to, you know, recognise that there's no guarantee that 2021 won't have troubling things in store for us. In fact, it almost certainly will uh, because that's that's life as much as we might try and escape it or, or hide it or distract ourselves from it. But what this psalm is saying that he is our ever-present help in trouble, not this removal from trouble, but it's in the midst of trouble that God is there with us uh, alongside us, sustaining us, strengthening us. And so as the psalm says, you know, the earth gives way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, etc. As all these things go on around us, there is a sense in which we don't have to fear them ultimately because he is with us in it. Hmm. 
Now, the psalm concludes in verses 10 and 11 and says, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So, Sharon, what do you think this means for us as 2021 approaches? I think to know who God is and our place and relationship um, in that context is something that will prepare us for what is to come in 2021, uh, to know, well, if mm. we've learned anything this year that we're not in control, then maybe we won't be so disappointed next year when things don't go to plan um, and we find ourselves not in control again, despite best human efforts. Um, as we've seen this year, um, one sort of human error or um, misjudgment can cause an entire state um, to be to go into lockdown. And so I think it's the placement of our trust to be still and to not have to worry that we have to play God next year um, is something that will prepare us um, going into 2021 and actually allow us the space to hope um, that things might get better. Mm. Does that help you as well, Andrew? Probably the phrase there that really resonates with me is that the Lord Almighty is with us. And so mm. there are so many uncertainties. The Bible says that there is one thing that is certain, regardless of what events and circumstances happen in the year ahead, and that is that the Lord Almighty uh, can be with us or is with us. Look, that's, no, that's not a small thing and not just, you know, a nice, a nice thing to say. I mean, the one that they're saying who is with us always is the, the one that the Bible describes as the one who made the heavens and the earth, who is in control of all things ultimately. This is not a toddler who's alongside us and you sort of think, oh, well, great, <laughs> they're with me all the time. What, what, kind of help, what kind of help can they offer? This is the creator of the universe who is with us through all things. And so what a, what, a, what a comfort that is. And to be honest, that has been a, a thing that I have come back to over and over and over this year, that, um, well, everything's going crazy around me. I have no idea what's coming next, but I know that I know who God is and I know he is with me. And so I rest in, rest in that confidence and uh, in that hope. Mm. So Andrew and Sharon, will 2021 be better? Who used to say? <laughs> I'm definitely more of a uh, realist myself, maybe perhaps not a pessimist. But yeah, I, I don't know if 2021 will be better, but I know who God is. Um, and, you know, he will be with me whatever 2021 brings. Andrew? Yeah, Sharon, uh, Sharon answered it exactly as I would also. Um, will 2021 be any better? Who knows? None of us know, but the only one who does know is the one who's uh, actually in control of all of the universe. And so knowing him and being known by him gives me hope and confidence as I go into the uncertainty of 2021. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question. So will 2021 be better? From Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guests today, Andrew Laird and Sharon Chung. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.